Hey guys, this is Ms. Price, and today we're going to talk about Path the Sky Chapter 9. So Chapter 9 is entitled, Is Islam Misogynistic? So before we can start this chapter, um, we have to know what the term misogynistic means. So as we talked about um, in previous chapters, misogyny is kind of a deeply embedded prejudice against women. Um, that can be that some you can be male or female and and have these feelings. Um, so it's kind of these ideas that women are not equal to men, um, and so it's kind of a misconception um, that you know only a male a man can be misogynistic. Um, women can also be misogynistic um, based on culture, religion, and various different um, ways that they've been raised and and taught. So the question here is whether or not Islam is, Islam is misogynistic. Um, on the first page of chapter 9, on page 149, it says that most Muslims worldwide don't believe in such practices. Mis misogynistic practices is what they mean here. Um, and some Christians do. But the fact remains that the countries where girls are cut, killed for honor, or kept out of school or the workplace typically have large Muslim populations. Um, and that's why oftentimes um, this um, misconception can be perpetuated. So um, as we look to answer the question, it's important to distinguish culture versus religion. Um, so I have a couple of good quotes for you from um, page 150. And um, they start with the fact that Muslims sometimes um, don't just have conservative attitudes. They have they have little to do with the Quran and arise from culture more than religion, um, which is an interesting idea, an interesting concept. Um, and I think it's hard to separate culture from religion. And do we want to do that? Is culture tied to religion? These are essential questions um, that I don't have the answers to. Um, I think they're thinking questions that I want you guys to consider. And remember that this book is an argument. Um, and so they're arguing one thing and you are welcome and invited to have different feelings and different ideas um, in regards to what they're saying. Um, in short, it says, often we blame a region's religion when the oppression instead may be rooted in its culture. Um, and continued, they said, the reason religion is blamed is that it's often cited by the oppressors. So perhaps people who don't understand the culture of a place might say it's their religion that's teaching them to do this and act this way, when in reality, what the authors saw was that it, it wasn't the religion, it was the culture. But because culture and religion are so closely tied to each other and difficult to distinguish, um, that they often get mixed up. So the next slide, um, this is slide 33 if you're following along, says, so let's face the question squarely. Is Islam misogynistic? Um, one answer, this is the immediate response that they give here. It says, one answer is historical and it is no. Um, so they very clearly answer this question for you, um, for what they have um, found out in regards to um, history. So here's the story that they give to you. It says, when Muhammad introduced Islam in the seventh century, it was a step forward for women. Islamic law banned the previously common practice of female infanticide, and that's killing 
um, female babies, and it's limited polygamy to four wives who are supposed to be treated equally. Muslim women routinely own property with rights protected by the law, while women in European countries often did not have the equivalent property rights. All in all, Muhammad comes across in the Quran and the traditions associated with him as much more respectful of women than early Christian leaders. After all, the Apostle Paul wanted women to keep silent in church, and the early Christian leader Tertullian denounced women as, quote, the gateway of the devil. Over the centuries, Christianity has mostly moved beyond that. In contrast, conservative Islam has barely budged. And that's the real difference here um, that the authors are citing, is that um, Islam being practiced in certain parts of the world has not moved past um, these kind of ancient and antiquated 7th century ideas. So um, as we continue on reading this chapter, there's a lot of detail in here about um, after Muhammad's death, what happened. Um, and depending on whether you are Sunni or Shia, um, those ideas are different. And that is why we have different branches of Islam and different people who may practice a faith, but approach it differently, which is the same in other types of faith around the world. So... One of the things that it says is um, Westerners sometimes feel sorry for Muslim women in a way that leaves them uncomfortable, even angry. It says when Nick, this is the author, one of the authors, quizzed a group of female Saudi doctors and nurses about women's rights, they bristled. Why do foreigners always ask about clothing? One woman doctor asked. Why does it matter so much what we wear? Of all the issues in the world, is that really so important? Another said... This is the quote on um, the 34th slide. You think we're victims because we cover our hair and wear modest clothing, but we think it's Western women who are repressed because they have to show their bodies, even go through surgery to change their bodies to please men. So that's part of the argument as well um, in regards to whether or not Islam is misogynistic. As we continue, there's some interesting stuff on page 155 about... Um, that middle across the Middle East, the attitudes are changing, um, which is a positive, right? So I'm going to read you this particular paragraph on page 155. Across the Middle East, attitudes are changing, partly because of the leadership of prominent women, such as Queen Reina of Jordan and Sheikha Moza, the First Lady of Qatar. This acceptance of women's rights is spreading. A UN sur survey in Egypt, Lebanon, Lebanon, Jordan, and Morocco found that more than 98% of people in each country believe that, quote, girls have the same right to education as boys. Jordan, Jordan, Qatar, and Morocco have been among the leaders in giving women greater roles. In Morocco, King Mohammed VII, no, sorry, VI, married a computer engineer who does not veil herself and who has become a role model for many Moroccan women. King Muhammad also reformed family law, giving women more rights in divorce and marriage, and he supported the path-breaking appointment of 50 women imams, or preachers. So to read more about that, um, look at page 55. And the final ideas here in this chapter um, are pretty consistent with what we have read so far throughout the book, um, just with different focuses. 
Um, so the quotes that I have for you that I've pulled out are, where families repress women, governments end up repress, repressing all citizens. The important um, part of this quote is that it's talking about all citizens. It's not where families repress women that governments end up repressing women. It's where families repress women, governments end up repressing all citizens. That's male and female. Also, it says, in general, the best clue to a nation's growth and development potential is the status and role of women. So as you guys continue um, with your reading, um, I want you guys to think about um, how you would answer these questions and how we keep coming back to the idea of education, right? Um, so further in this chapter, it says education is the key issue for overcoming poverty, for overcoming war. If people are educated, then women will not be abused or tortured. They will also stand up and say, my child should not be married so young. 